Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. And before we get to talking about the McNaughtons today, I got a shout out to give to another podcast. You see, right before I left California, came back to northern Utah, I was in the laundry room doing my last load of laundry and I bumped into a neighbor of mine. His name's Christopher Harris, and he mentioned very casually something about his podcast. And I said, no way, I also have a podcast. Anyway, he came over and we got to talking about different, how we're set up and how we run it. And I had more questions than things to offer him. He's, he's, uh, this is actually what he studied in college. Uh, he got into media and I, I don't remember the exact degree that he got, but um, anyway, he's, this is what he does. And so he, he actually hooked me up with some equipment and went right away on his next podcast and, uh, and mentioned my podcast and got him and his crew to, to subscribe to it. And, and then last podcast that I recorded, I didn't reciprocate. He hasn't said anything to me, but I just realized after I did it, oh no, I didn't, I didn't give Christopher a shout out. So this is a, a shout out to him and his podcast, I Could Be Wrong. So what his podcast is, is it's, they discuss current events. He has a crew on there, and everybody on the podcast has a different political perspective. Some are way right, some are way left, middle people. Um, I believe Christopher usually acts as the moderator. I've listened to it, and, and I thought that it was good to hear, it was, it was refreshing to hear the different perspectives, politically speaking, rather than just sitting in our own little echo chambers and getting the reinforcing our, our own biases over and over and over again until we just believe that the other side's a bunch of aliens. So there, the podcast, once again, is I Could Be Wrong, and it comes out every Friday. So thank you, uh, Christopher. I, I might, one reason I'm really grateful to him is he actually hooked me up with some equipment that is going to be important for my growth within the podcast world. So I really appreciate that. I did enjoy listening to his podcast and there you have it if you're interested in that sort of thing. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's start talking about the McNaughtons. Now, this is going to be a... I'm going to be doing shorter podcasts and videos. And and I think I'm, I kind of thought of this format for the podcast. And I really like it. So I'm not going to do it every episode. But it is you're going to see this happen more and more. And today I'm going to mention five things that I think are interesting or noteworthy about the McNaughtons. And I look forward to do this for, doing this format with other clans as well in the future. It's going to be uh, pretty, hopefully pretty concise and pretty straightforward. And, and just touch on the highlights and things that I think, why would a person be interested in studying this clan? All right. So the sources that I used to get into learning about the McNaughtons. I, I usually start off with just a cursory Wikipedia thing, but I actually did find something really good in the references or in the notes down at the bottom of the Wikipedia article. It led me to the McNaughtons clan website, and I'm going to include, and I don't, a lot of, lot of clans don't have just one official. There's like clan Cameron Society of North America or clan Cameron Scotland or Canada or there's there's different websites but this one I'll put the link in there and this one actually had links to books articles so if you're a big fan of the McNaughtons you're connected to them somehow then it should offer you a lot of resources I'm just going to post a link that is the gateway to so much more so 
and I, I did use one of their, I didn't, I didn't exhaust all of their material on the clan. So I'm going to hit some highlights, like I mentioned, and then I'll leave the door open if you're interested to jump into that a lot more. Um, before going to these articles, I also might mention that I did use what has we've jokingly referred to as the Bible of Scottish clans, the Collins Scottish Clan and Family Encyclopedia. So, you know, I, I did get into that a little bit, and, and I do think it, it does have value. I, I refer to, you know, kind of sarcastically as the Bible and jokingly, but, but I, I do... I don't think it's the end-all, be-all to, to a research on a Scottish clan. And the reason why I kind of am sarcastic with it is it's cited so often in Wikipedia articles. But I did turn to that to the McNaughton page, too. So there's some, there's some sources that I used for this. Once again, I'll post links in the comments. All right, so interesting point number one. And I think, for me, this is the biggest one. And I don't know if I should lead off with the biggest one that I think is the most fascinating or if I should have leave that, left that to the end. But I'm just going to go ahead and lead with it. The McNaughtons, just their name, McNaughton. Now, why do I find the name McNaughton so interesting? Well, because the Naughton is actually just a later version of Nechten. And where do we get the name Nechten? Nechten is actually a Pictish name. And as far as I understand... This makes the McNaughtons very unique in having an actual... And, you know, there, I can think of actually some other names that may tie in to the Picts, but the difference between this name and those names that could possibly be traced back to a Pictish origin is that the only place I have ever seen this name used is with Picts. And, and anciently. And then so to have a clan with their kindred using this name as the name for the kindred, surviving into modern times using a very, very Pictish name, for me that, that provokes all sorts of questions. Like, okay, so how far back, when the, the, the Nechton that they're taking their name from, when did he live? Was he an actual Pict, or was he a later person who just found this name in records, was a bit of a history buff, and used the name, and then it stuck? You see, the earliest reference we have of people using this in the records as a surname is in the mid-1200s. We have a Gilchrist, an Atha, and a Gilbert McNaughton. And it actually uses the CH spelling, not the GH. McNaughton. And so, that, once again, mid 1200s. And so that would be 300 years after the Pictish. So, a lot of people think that the Pictish language dies out somewhere in the 900s. Maybe, maybe in some remote areas it held out into the 1000s. But Probably 1100s is where most people who were, who were Pictish speaking, we, we see this language, uh, for lack of a better term, dry up. And so, was, so this, the, these three brothers, Gilchrist, Atha, and Gilbert, 
were were they using an older surname or was their dad was their dad's name Nachten? And if it was a if it was a surname, so twelve hundred surnames. We do have surnames. In fact, I've mentioned before a lot of the clans that are descended from Normans actually had their names when their ancestors, their Norman ancestors, first came into Scotland in the eleven hundreds. So it's it's not crazy that this could be a have been a surname of Gilchrist, Atta, and Gilbert. So it could it could be a surname. That's historically plausible. But how far back does the surname go is the next question. Does it go back to an actual Pictish speaker who's using a Pictish name, maybe even as a as an identifier of himself as a Pict, or as a way to tie in to royal Pictish lines. You see, people would use their names that way. They would use their given name or their Christian name as a way to show that I am part of this lineage. And different lineages, and we've hit on this before in this podcast, in different episodes, different lineages would use certain names is very common amongst them. And so, like, like for, for example, with the Mackenzies and the Campbells, you see the name Colin used. Um, the, with the Kennedys, you see the Gilbert. Gilbert is used as a first name often. So, so yeah, that just the and, and, and what are the implications of this being the case? So, if McNaughton was a surname for these three brothers, and if it goes back to somebody who actually was a Pict, speaking the the Pictish language. This would make the McNaughtons, with, with a surname that has lasted to the modern day, that would be put them on the old, old, old end of the scale. It would be in there with Macduff and who else? There's not very many, there's not very many Scottish clans with names that would go would trace back to the eight, nine hundred time period. Now there's the Sometimes we have a more recent label on an older kindred. Now that exists, but the label itself is more recent, and it, it would have changed if you took that same kindred and gone back past a certain date. Whereas the McNaughtons, if this unique name holds true to be an actual Pict, this would put them... Really, on if you have a spectrum of Scottish clans and how old their name goes and how far back their name goes, this would put them on the old end. So I think this is fascinating. Do the McNaughtons actually descend from a Pict named Nechton? Because, like I said, I have never seen Nechton as a name used anywhere outside of the history of the Picts. And so uh, I, I just find that fascinating. So that's that's fa- interesting point number one about the McNaughtons. Number two is their early political allegiances or loyalties. During the Scottish Wars of Independence, we're getting back into Robert Bruce and John Cummin and, and, and King Edward I, and there's been two major, major movies uh, produced regarding this time period. The McNaughtons were originally anti-Bruce. I know if they were so pro cummin and I'm talking not between, I'm not talking about Bruce versus English, I'm talking about within Scotland, the rivalries that existed there. You see, 
the to give you a little bit of a backstory, the some some traditions, and I don't know how scholarly we can get about this, but some traditions amongst the McNaughtons claim that they are actually coming from the leading kindreds of Murray, Pictish kindreds who were displaced by the Canal Lorne as they pushed up the Great Glen, and. So the McNaughtons, or this, this kindred who takes the name of McNaughton, pushes south and settles in Perthshire, specifically in Glen Lyon, where up until very recent periods there, there have been McNaughtons found in Glen Lyon, in there with the McGregors and Campbells and other, other clans in that vicinity. But later on, the chiefly family or line would push west as they were granted uh, lands there by Alexander II and and titles and so they be, this chiefly line becomes established there so this would explain this is the McNaughton narrative of the the route that the family takes starting in Murray moving down to Perthshire and then pushing west into Argyle where they are granted lands and so the 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 center of power for the McNaughton kindred pushes west into western Argyle now that location, when in those early days, specifically during this time of the Wars of Independence with Scotland, we th that puts their geogra their geography puts them within the power sphere of the McDougals. Now, I've, some of you know, some of you don't know the Mac the McDougals. They were the chief of the McDougals was a brother-in-law of John Cummin, who was stabbed by Robert the Bruce. Now, I, I did a little more reading on John Cummin. He's kind of an interesting guy. He had proven himself a patriot, very loyal to the Scottish cause and against the English. And that I just kind of find that interesting. He had at least as strong of a claim to the throne as Robert the Bruce until he didn't because he was stabbed to death. So the McDougals go full-bore anti-Bruce, and they you have two major conflicts between the McDougals and Robert, Robert the Bruce, in which the McNaughtons found themselves on the McDougal side. The first was the Battle of, Battle of Dalry, which is represented actually in the, um, the movie Outlaw King, where Bruce and his forces are reeling from a crushing defeat at the Battle of Methven, pushing west into the highlands, seeking refuge there. Problem is, they came into a McDougal ambush, and they were nearly all wiped out. I mean, it almost all ended for Bruce there. He escaped from that with a very small contingent of followers. And once again, the, Mac the McNaughtons were on the McDougal side in that one. So counter Bruce and on the winning side. Okay, now Robert the Bruce goes into hiding for a while, comes back, conducts guerrilla warfare, he's gained a lot of experience. And we come back to the Battle of the Pass of Brander, which now he's gained the throne, and he's going to stick it to the McDougals. And so in the Battle of the Pass of Brander, once again, the, Mac the McNaughtons find themselves against Bruce. Now, between this battle and a question that just popped into my mind is, I always kind of thought that and I need to look at the dates on this, but that Bruce had won the Battle of Bannockburn, completely clinched Scottish independence, and then took it to his enemies. But following this, he the pass the Battle of the Pass of Brander happened first, which once again the McNaughtons are on the side against Bruce, 
But between that battle and the Battle of Bannockburn, later the McNaughton switched switch side and are found fighting with Bruce, not against him, at the Battle of Bannockburn. In which case, they did not fare as poorly as the McDougals and the Cummins, who never did join the, the, Bruce, the Bruce side. Now, this is not the end of their story. So that, that, I think, is interesting, the way that their loyalties shifted during that time period. And that, I don't... I just want you to know that I don't cast any judgment with people picking sides. There's a lot of factors that could go into why a person picked a certain side. And I don't know any of the factors for the McNaughtons. And so all that we know is they did switch sides and found themselves on the winning side. Now, unlike uh, Neil Campbell or Angus Og McDonald, who had been through thick and thin with Bruce always on his side, they came out of his victories and, and his ascension through to the throne with a lot of territory. And if and I could totally see why, as loyal as they were, the McNaughtons did not come out of it with that much territory, probably because it was a, it was a late switch. However, they the, Bruce didn't come at them and confiscate their territory in the same way he did the Cummins and the McDougals. And that those... Those two, that would make two other really great episodes talking about what happens to the McDougals or the Cummins after the Scottish Wars of Independence and Robert the Bruce secures his throne. Now, um, in the long run, the McNaughtons don't fare better than the McDougals or Cummins because where they end up landing and where they establish their power base is smack dab in the middle of Campbell territory. You could not be more in the middle of Campbell territory than the McNaughtons end up being. They established their castle at Dunderave, which is actually tied in my third thing I think is interesting about the McNaughton clan is their geography. And, and I'm going to tie that not only just where they sit as a clan, but specifically their castle. I find their castle fascinating. If you've never seen a picture of Dunderave Castle, and I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I had a really hard time, and I found it just in a song, and I don't even know if it was a native Scot singing the song, but they pronounce it Dunderave. Up until then, I always pronounce it Dunderave, and anyway, I don't know, but we're going to go with Dunderave. So, and, and I know I know I'm going to have some very helpful people correct me on that, and maybe I'll remember to mention it in the next episode of how it's really pronounced, but... The castle, however you pronounce it, is beautiful. It's, it's, it's interesting because you have some castles like Ellendonan or Kilhern Castle. Ellendonan being a Mackenzie stronghold, Kilhern being at the northeast end of extremity of Loch Awe, and it was, um, became the power base for the Campbells of Glenorchy. Those two castles are f- frequently photographed. You can find all sorts of stuff on them in, uh, in the Google image search, and, but not as much as on Dunderave. If you'd, even if you did like a, just a general search on a Google image search for scenic Scottish castles, you would be flooded with images of Elendonan or Kilhern, but you would not be flooded with images of Dun, Dunderave, which I think is interesting because I think it's every bit as scenic. I, I find it fascinating. So... 
there, there's one of the other things. But where, where Dunderave Castle was situated, it was just up Loch Fine from Inverary, the seat of the Earls of Argyle, the, the head honchos, the, the chiefs of all the Campbells. So they were firmly within that. Now, that doesn't mean that the McNaughtons suffered completely at the hand, hands of the Campbells. For this, a few hundred years, they had a very cooperative, it seems like from everything I could read, a very cooperative relationship. And the McNaughtons at time actually, at times actually prospered under their, their, their Campbell neighbors. They did at one point acknowledge them as their feudal superiors. Before that, the McNaughtons held their lands directly from the crown. Um, I think it was in the late 1400s, but it might have been the early 1500s, somewhere in there. The McNaughtons acknowledged the Campbells as their feudal superiors, but once again, that was not necessarily awful for the McNaughtons as they did do well. But eventually, and we get into the 1600s, and the McNaughtons and the Campbells found themselves on different sides of the, the different conflicts during that time. But a long story short is the McNaughtons, by the, by the early 1700s, the chiefs of the McNaughtons have lost all their lands and titles. So I kind of skipped skipped in there, went from one to the other without delineating this very clearly for you. So one is the name McNaughton that I find interesting. Number two is their political loyalties. Number three is the geography. But I kind of slid into four without mentioning it, and that is the fact that the, the fourth thing is noteworthy about the McNaughtons is that they ceased to be a functioning clan by the early 1700s. So pre- Battle of Culloden, which is what, and there's a longer, longer conversation about did the Battle of Culloden really finish off the clans, or was it in it, in under, was that process already started a long time before that, or actually vestiges of clan structure and society went up into the Highland Clearances, and the Highland Clearances did more to dis destroy that. Well, however, you get in that conversation and whatever position you take on that the the McNaughtons don't make it that far. All right, and, and they're not the only clans that don't. There's like the McLeods of Lewis were done a long time before the McNaughtons were. And I did a whole episode on that too. So if you want to see that. So I think I find that interesting. And then the fifth thing that I find noteworthy or interesting about the McNaughtons is that similar to the McDonald's and other clans, the a, a, the McNaughtons have a branch of them that are established in Northern Ireland. Now, unlike a lot of the Scottish clans that end up having branches in Ireland, a lot of those clans had that happen through Galloglass activity. And I believe I did a, like a two or three part series on Galloglass a while ago. So you can, if you want more information, go back and check those episodes out. But that is not how the McNaughtons become established in Northern Ireland specifically. It's actually through intermarriage with the McDonald's of Antrim, or also known as the McDonald's of the Glens. Uh, Sorley Boy McDonald, who, and that's an Anglicization of his Gaelic name, which was, I'm going to try, okay, get points for trying maybe, uh, Sorle Buille, Sorle Buille. So as we take that into English, it became Sorley Boy, and that is the, the chief of the McNaughton's, ended up marrying his sister. I think he was the chief. His name was Shane Dew. I read an article on it, 
anyway, you have a branch and, and so how that all works out. And that was in the probably the mid-1500s. So since the mid-1500s, you have a branch of the McNaughton's established in Northern Ireland. Once again, I apologize my, my time for really diving into the weeds and finding the exact relationships and w- the connections and all that stuff. But hopefully what this podcast will do is not to be just worthless conjecture, but maybe open the door. If you're curious and you want to really pin this down because you have a vested interest in the McNaughton's, my goal here is to get you started and get you going, okay? Now, the McNaughton's that get established in Northern Ireland, this is during the same time period that the Gala Glass are, they're kind of at their peak in the 1500s. So it is during that same time period, but that's just not how the McNaughton's get established in Northern Ireland. It's through intermarriage with the McDonald's of the Glens or the McDonald's of Antrim. And that is the last thing, their, their Irish connection, their, their branch of their family. There are a lot of different ways of spelling and configurations of the name McNaughton. You have McNaught that I found as well. Oh, and I also believe there's, this is kind of a side note, there's a branch of them in Galloway. And I didn't find so much of that, but there you go. There's something to pursue. But do you see McNaught being used? And then I believe... Some people made an, a small vowel shift from McNaught into McKnight. And so some McKnights may tie back into, they're actually McNaughtons. And I actually had a very, we, we, we became good friends. We haven't kept up much since, but uh, there was a McKnight that I became, I would call him a friend. He was, I really enjoyed his company and had a good time with him in my civil affairs qualification course out at Fort Bragg. So... Yeah, we we suffered a little bit together. Anyway, so he was a McKnight, and and that's cool. So there's my five things I find interesting about the McNaughtons. And if you have enjoyed this, please like it. Do all the things that you should be should be doing. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel when I get all these videos posted out there. Share it with your friends, please. And I've got some interesting things coming down the line. There's been some really good developments lately, and I'll, but I'll wait till they actually occur to announce them. But there's, there's good things in the future for this, for this uh, Scottish Clans podcast slash video. So thanks for joining me t- today, and until next time, Marshen Leven Drasta.